As we welcome you into the final hour of the Plank Show, it's brought to you by Mop and Roofing with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. We haven't had a lot of time because I was out yesterday. Um, I mean, I, I don't think – I'm not going to try. But my my mom is not feeling well. She's dealing with something that um, is is scary. And so whenever you have those type of issues in your life, you want to be home and close to family. And I was, and it was great. I got to spend some time with my dad. I, I sat and watched football Sunday with my dad for the first time in 30 years, which was really cool. But it was also – you know, it was as normal as normal could be. So for where my mind and my nerves, my obviously gut was, uh, it was a good kind of refreshing and concerning, right, but still relaxing trip home to see the family. Though, I will say, even at 47 years old, here's here's my, my note to all of y'all. Even at 47 years old, which is how old I am, there's still kind of this weird where, Mom, are you sure you're okay if I go to Dad's? You sure you're okay if I go to Dad's? Can I take the? Are you going to be mad if I go to Dad's for a little bit? So it never really ends in some of our families, but no, my mom seems to be doing good. Appreciate those of you who uh, reached out. I'm not overly public about those things, but I'm really. It's not like I'm hiding anything either, right? I mean, it's not like, ooh, what's going on? Where is he? Why is he gone? I'm not going to be someone that sends out that cryptic message on Facebook or Twitter and Instagram. It's like, prayers needed. Keep me in your thoughts today. But I appreciate everyone who reached out. Mom's doing good. Uh, and, Josh, you, I know you guys had a great weekend Friday with the bowling, even though Teddy somehow bowled a 69, which is just incredible, Ted. I, I mean, literally the last time that we bowled together, Ted bowled like a 200. I don't know how that's possible. He had a, he had a kicker moment. He was like the kicker for the Cowboys last night, right? He was, yeah. It's wait a second. We know this guy's great. What is happening right? here? Th- there was some of that. I will tell you, I-, I can't believe I didn't think of this earlier. It honestly, him posting the score of sixty nine was pretty dramatic in the final frame. So really? He, oh yeah, he had sixty eight going into the frame, and you know it- it's one of those to where you know how in basketball a lot of times somebody needs to miss a free throw and they make the free throw. Sure. That was kind of what was happening there. It's like, he, you know, everybody could have a funny. He finishes with the, the score of 69. But to only hit one pin when you're trying to only hit one pin. Pretty good. With 10 pins up there is, well, it's challenging, right? <laughs> but he, he managed to, out of everything that was bad and everything that was wrong, he managed to accomplish that feat. And then it was very dramatic as he lined up and delivered the uh, end-of-game gutter ball. And the crowd that? went wild. How about that? Did uh. Who who were good bowlers? How did Toby bowl? Uh, Toby was good. Toby okay. was good. Pierce was the star of the night. I already bowled almost a two hundred. Yeah, I think it was like one eighty something. Wow, Pierce, look at you. How about Perry? Perry's usually a pretty good bowler. Perry, the sales guy. Yeah, I don't remember what uh, his final tally was. It was triple digits something. I think Mark Desher brings his own bowling ball. That would be at OU photo guy. So yeah, he there was some intensity radiating off of him for sure. I like it. I like it. Well, good time had by all. It's our launch now into 2023, so let's go. Before I hit the top five stories of the day, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. I'm just imagining the drama of Ted trying to hit one pin to maintain his score of 69. Um, my man, TJC22. Oh, oh, no. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Writes on Twitter. Sorry, Tom Brady. I'm sorry. My bad. Uh, 
regards to Sean Payton, I don't agree. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't understand the allure. I agree. It's going to cost more than a first. Though I agree completely to his credit, he did make a moribund franchise relevant. Breeze was always a pro bowler before he got there, but Peyton was certainly better off than Marty Schottenheimer and Cam Cameron. So in other words, Drew Breeze was good. He was a pro bowler, but Sean Peyton helped elevate him to the other level. That's why I say in a place like Los Angeles with the Chargers or, you know, if I, I, Raiders are kind of irrelevant, they've, they've imploded that thing. Um, you know, maybe, maybe somewhere like Miami with Tua, if, if they're souring on, on McDaniel at all, which I don't think they are. I think if you've got a quarterback and you feel like you're pretty close, Payton's not a bad guy to go get. But if you're trying to rebuild something, I'm not giving up capital to go get him, Josh. Just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm with you, especially, I mean, there's, if you really want to make a change, you can find another name that would be of the Sean Payton variety, not named Sean Payton. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Oh, by the way, this is good. I don't read enough of Dodger Blaine's tweets because usually he and I just want to talk about the Dodgers. It's like, dude, what are we going to do about Turner? What's going on with Cody Bellinger? It's gone. What are we doing? He writes, about 45 years ago, my dad came home a little tipsy from family bowling night, already angry about something. His ball was sticking to his thumb, the first two, and he never found wood until about halfway down the lane. Now, this is a me thing bowling-wise, right? This is a me thing. I have a problem with the ball sticks to my thumb, and as someone who once gave me a bowling lesson, yes, I'm not getting a bowling lesson, said, you're not going to hurt that lane. Let it go. Let it fly. Hit your mark. So I'm very guilty of this. He turned around and headed out the door, walked home wearing the rental bowling shoes. Now, Dodger playing, I would ask, was that purposeful or not? Because those things can be kind of stylish. And then one other quick point uh, on the National uh, Football League. It's from 5808. So hard to understand why Leftwich hasn't gotten that head coaching job yet. Well, I think 5808, you're seeing part of the reason why maybe this year. Because look what happened offensively. I know they were dinged up by injuries. It was a problem. And there was a report last night that he was getting fired as the offensive coordinator. But if you're talking about comparing Leftwich versus Peyton, I think I'd probably go with Peyton every single day. And that's nothing against Byron Leftwich. But give me Demeco Ryans. I'll take that right now. Of course, then you got to stop and pause. How good of a defensive coordinator is Demeco Ryans? Uh, how fun is it whenever you have, you know, the Nick Boses of the world on that defensive line, and we've got some of the best interior defensive tackles uh, on the planet? That, that's kind of tough with Demeco Ryans, right, Josh, to truly equate how good he is because he has so much talent on that front four. I'm just never giving up a first round pick for a head coach. Me under either. under Never any works. circumstance. Never works. Sorry, we'll wait until uh, that contract situation's figured out. We're not not spinning a first on you. Now, I know some Tampa Bay fans would say, well, we got a Super Bowl trophy out of it for John Gruden. That's you true. Did. You did. But to me, what happened afterwards? Had you won Super Bowl trophy, and then you were kind of irrelevant the rest of the Gruden era. I'm sure Mark Davis is going to trip all over himself to go bring him in. All right, let's time. What? It's time. 
Let's hit the top five stories of the day brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. By the way, uh, the 310 does point out that I'm I'm truly spiritually obligated to root for Sean Payton because he is a Sigma Chi out of Eastern Illinois University. So maybe I need to change my thinking on whether or not I'd give up a first-round pick for him, Josh. Both he and Drew Brees, pouts, uh, proud Sigmachis. Let's go. All right, time for the top five stories today. As you heard, brought to you by Newcastle Casino, where real R E E L gamers go to play. Big story number five. Number five. All right, I wanted to get this because we spent so much time in the four, in hour number two about this. And in fact, if you missed it, you can go to the podcast page uh, at kref.com or simply search KREF, however you consume podcasts. Most of our. Second hour is spent talking about roster madness for the Sooners. Add Blake Smith, tied in from Texas A&M, to go along with Walter Rouse, who they flipped from Nebraska this past week. So I would assume they're done in the portal. We'll see. But it closes tomorrow, and Josh Ellison found a home at Memphis. Now, anything else to add on the Sooner roster conversation, Josh, that we didn't get to? No, I mean, that's that's the, the big notes right now. I mean, one more portal ad, maybe? maybe. Two? I mean, I, what does the roster situation look like? They've got to be getting close to the number. It's got to be. It's got to be close. So, to me, I think they're done. I think now we're just watching to see if somebody finds another place that left OU. Could be wrong. Uh, Other roster news from the Big 12 this weekend. Here is what what TCU is dealing with right now. They've lost Quinton Johnston. They've lost Amari DiMorcado. They've lost uh, um, Kendra Miller. All of the players that we thought would turn pro from TCU have turned pro. Um... Daniel Green is coming back to Kansas State. And according to reports, Kendall Bryles is close to being the next offensive coordinator at TCU. But then I'll see other reports that say he's not going anywhere. So I guess there's mutual interest. But apparently Arkansas is doing everything they can to keep Kendall Bryles. And by the way, this, I'm reading this headline for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, and it says, TCU wants to hire Kendall Bryles. Is he really worth the headache? Kaz Kazadi is your strength coach. I, I, don't, I don't think you can get on some, and I love Kaz. We went to college together. Kaz was there too, and Baylor during all of this. So is it his last name? Is that why? Because... To me, if he got a chance to go get Kendall Browse, I get him to run my offense. And if he's willing to jump Josh from Arkansas to TCU, I find that to be fascinating and, and a big-time win for TCU. Oh, it would be a huge win for them in terms of their coaching staff. I mean, look, Garrett Riley had an incredible season, but long-term forecasting here, you might say that Kendall Browse is equal to or an upgrade. 
from Garrett Riley. So we'll see how that all shakes out. To me, it's you got a pretty good situation right now at Arkansas. So unless it's just the financial side of it, uh, that would be a surprising move. All right. Let's go big story number four. Number four. What a night last night for the OU women's gymnastics team. As a matter of fact, KJ's going to join us tomorrow to kick off the show. They're still traveling back, but they go on the road and beat LSU 197.600 to 197.450. Jordan Bowers, a career high in the all-around. Freshman Faith Torres, third in the Big 12 already in the all-around. Big night, big win. We'll talk about it with KJ tomorrow. OU Women's Gymnastics, they're home. They're finally home, and I think I think we're going to be out there either on Thursday or Friday. They've started the season 4-0, and uh, and then we got a big one coming up on Sunday inside the LNC at 645 against Utah. All right, big story number three. Number three. You know, back in the day, Big Monday used to be like the biggest night in all of college basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Especially, I mean, for the Big 12, absolutely. Big Monday. Um, I feel like this is about as big of a Tuesday as you could get because this slate of games tonight is fascinating. Do we need to play the Jerome Tang cut again, you think? We probably should reset it, yes. Okay. Here, real quick, is Jerome Tang. He is the head basketball coach at Kansas State. Tonight, you get Kansas State and Kansas. So you get the the Sunflower State showdown. And, you know, Josh, you brought this up, and I thought it was a really good point. Historically, there's been a few issues with the way that the fans have responded and acted in this, correct? Yeah, they play the Sandstorm instrumental and everybody cheaps, uh, chants bleep KU. Right. And I hadn't thought about that whenever I heard – Jerome Tang make this statement. And I I think it's kind of fascinating because they want a crazy environment. They want it to be loud, but they want it to be, I think, in a word, smart. Here's Jerome Tang. My message to our our students, okay, because I don't want them to show up to the game and yell and scream, and I don't want our fans to, to show up to the game because they hate the other team, right? I want them to show up because they love Kansas State, right? Our guys, every guy on our roster, they didn't pick this school because they hated somebody else. They picked this school because they love us as a staff. They love this community and they love this university. And I would be real interested to see how we can really change this thing around if, our, if we're motivated by love, right, rather than by hate. And uh, I just feel, and I know I'm going to upset some people, I feel like uh, we, the Kansas State community and family, allow them to live rent-free in our heads way too much. Okay, this game, it's, it's one game in the conference. If we win, we get one win. If we lose, we get one loss. That's it. I, I came to win, try and win a Big 12 championship and win a national championship. Josh, strong words from the K-State basketball coach in advance of the fun one tonight. Yeah, I wonder what happens when they play Sandstorm. It's, uh, you know he's serious when he drops the rent-free phrasing. Yeah, exactly. When he's, when, anytime you tell someone that a person is living rent-free in their head, it's like, ooh. 
Here's your schedule for tonight. KU Kansas State, 6 o'clock. Texas at Iowa State at 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus, by the way. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, Baylor and Texas Tech. This is a big night. Texas Tech is desperate, Josh. Desperate for a win. And, and in all honesty, you know, Baylor's trying to get back to 500 in this league. So, tough times. Tough times in the Big 12 for Texas Tech. This should be fun tonight. All right, you ready? What, uh, what oh, happens in Bramlage tonight? Do you like Kansas State or Kansas? Dude, what happened to Kansas State on Saturday? Yeah, they, no, I was not good versus TCU. They just, I don't know, they could never find their footing in that game. They, dude, they couldn't hit any shots. They had a bunch of open looks, and they couldn't buy a bucket. I was, I was shocked. I was absolutely, utterly shocked at how poorly they played. All right, big story number two. Number two. Now, uh, this for me is kind of a late payoff, right? But I opened the show on Friday saying, you get the sense that the Thunder are starting to demand our attention right now. Now, um, I know OKC doesn't play again until what? Wednesday, tomorrow night, when they take on the Indiana Pacers. But don't look now, Josh Helmer, but in the always stupid if the season were to end today, the Thunder are right on the cusp of the play-in tournament. In fact, uh, they're closer to the play-in tournament than either the Phoenix Suns or the Los Angeles Lakers are right now. And Josh Giddy is absolutely incredible. How fun has this been to follow? It's exciting seeing this uh, young core start to come together. I, what, what do you think? I mean, do you try to get into the play-in if you can? Or do you stick with tanking out to get in the lottery one more time? I think they're good. I think they're. I, I told you this early. I, I think they're a fun team. And let me tell you something. If you decide to punt this year, I, and, and you'll know. I mean, you guys will know. I think that's – boy, you're really going to have to get in bed with your media buddies to make sure they sue that one over for you. Because I think that's an absolute punch in the face of the fan base. So I don't think they will. But I love – dude, I, they're appointment TV for me. And I can't wait to see them play tomorrow night. But kudos to OKC. They're rolling as we inch kind of close to that decision-making time. We going for the playoffs here or what? All right, big story number one. Big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. In a word – it was utter domination last night for the Dallas Cowboys. It's fourth and goal. They're going to pass up the three. What they're going to do is play action. Fourth and goal. Man in motion left to right. Inside a play action. Bootleg to the left. Prescott all the way. Runs it in for the touchdown. And he's fired up. <laughs> but, of course, the big story of the night beyond the Cowboys Come winning. On, Brett. You can do it. Here's the snap. It's good. The extra point kick is up. It kicked off the right upright and went out. My goodness. Oops. I don't know how I feel about the the snap. The hold is good. It's, it's like, yeah, wait exactly. a second. This guy's missed a bunch of kicks. Let's let's cool it with the it's good. Yeah. yeah I, and, and by the way, when you say it's good, the snap and hold have been good all night long. Uh, Jared Jones today said the Cowboys aren't in the position where they're going to go get a new kicker. So Dallas will continue on with the same kicker. Meanwhile, the season ends for Tom Brady and the Bucks. 
What's next, Tom? You know, we lost tonight. It's, it's a team sport, so never considered any individual things like that. You know, obviously we came up short as a team, and that's really all that matters. That's all I've really cared about was team success and you know how well we did as a team and how well we performed under pressure, and tonight was obviously not one of our best nights. Josh, right now, gut feeling. Is he a Raider next year? Is he a Dolphin next year? Or is he a Buck next year? Some are starting to theorize he could be a Patriot next year. A, a Patriot? Yeah, that'd be Patriot. interesting. I think he will be a Las Vegas Raider. I think he's going to be a Fox Sports analyst. You think he's done? I think he's done. Well, that's it, it will be, to me, one of those two options. He'll be a Raider or he'll be retired. All right, when we come back, Josh, and I think Connor's going to slide in for a bit. I have a, a quick interview to go do with OU Volleyball. And I'll recap that when we come back. Plus, much, much more from your Air Comfort Solutions text on a busy Tuesday right here on The Ref. Back with you. It's the Plank Show. Hour number three right here. Home of Sooner fans. Josh Elmer alongside Connor Pasby, at least for a segment here, maybe a couple. Hour three of the Plank Show. Presented by, brought to us by Mop and Roofing. They've got you covered, Oklahoma. Locally owned and operated, fully insured, licensed, and bonded. Mop and Roofing, serving all of Oklahoma, has been in business for over 35 years. 405-703-3843. So uh, I know that this has kind of been discussed ad nauseum. But uh, I don't think, we didn't get to this yesterday, did we? We never played this clip. No, but I, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it a few times across uh, my social media about uh, Joe Klatt. But we can play it. Everybody's looking for who's the next TCU. CBS Sports, I saw their list of five teams that they like to potentially go from losing season to the national championship game. And let's lower our expectations even from that. Let's Let's just – Lower the bar to making a college football playoff appearance, right? TCU, pretty miraculous. They got all the way to the championship game, 65-7 aside. It was uh, a remarkable turnaround. So CBS Sports, the five teams they mentioned, Auburn, Miami, let's see here, Nebraska was on that list, and I'm trying to think who the other two were. It wasn't Oklahoma. At any rate, Joel Klatt does put Oklahoma in that type of camp of a team that can quote-unquote go from worst to first. And anyways, here's why he said he almost, almost has Oklahoma in his top ten. Oklahoma, I consider it in the top ten. And you might be thinking to yourself, really? Oklahoma in the top ten? Yeah. Oklahoma in the top ten. I considered them. For the reason that they just lost a ton of close games. There was really only two games that they got blown out. And by the way, in both of those games, they basically lost their quarterback. Either either he was knocked out of the game, Dylan Gabriel against TCU, or didn't play in, in the Texas game. And then when he was on the field, what did they do? Played one possession games. Unfortunately, they lost them all. They were like the 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 direct opposite of what TCU was this year. TCU was a team that when they got into a close game, they ended up winning that close game. And here's Oklahoma 0-5 in one-score games. So here's an Oklahoma team that won six games, and then they were 0-5 in one-score games. That easily flips. And when you're talking about possibly being in the top 10, you know, so I'm talking about top 12 teams in the country or better at the end of the year, what do all those teams have in common? Generally speaking, 
they have 10 or more victories. And I think Oklahoma could be in that category. They're a team that could climb very easily. This is a team that under Brent Venables has done a great job in recruiting. And with Dylan Gabriel back and healthy, I just don't see a reason why Oklahoma can't improve dramatically. So it's, there you go, Joel Klatt, his rationale for why Oklahoma, he didn't put them in the top 10, but I might have, I almost, almost put them in the top 10. So he makes, he makes some good points, right? Oklahoma did play multiple close games. The, uh, the Baylor game, yeah, it finishes as a one score loss, but really they, uh, they slid it down inside the five there late. They could have ran that in, and it would have been a multiple-score margin, but neither here nor there. There were, what, three other losses that were one-score games that definitely Oklahoma could have won. West Virginia, Texas Tech, uh, even Kansas State, you had you know that final drive uh, where if you get a stop, you got one last chance to drive down and maybe force overtime. So, yes, Oklahoma was not too far away from being much different than the 6-7 and seven that it turned out to be. So that alone kind of raises your antenna. The Nebraska Cornhuskers treatment, there's a little bit of that going on with Oklahoma. But, hey, the, there is truth to the fact that Oklahoma was right in the mix. The uh, teams that Tom Fornelli, by the way, included in this, here's, here's how he phrased it, five losing teams that can surprise like TCU with 2023 national championship appearances. The five teams were Auburn, Miami, Michigan State, Nebraska, and A&M. And because of the return of Dylan Gabriel, we'll see how everything out of the transfer portal comes together. I mean, that's the really the great unknown with OU. There's a lot of new faces that we just don't know much about. And, oh, by the way, you're counting on some younger players across the board, as would typify a lot of teams in college football, taking some uh, legitimate steps forward that we – haven't seen take steps forward for us to feel any sort of confident that Oklahoma's winning the Big 12 and making that sort of leap forward toward being a college football playoff potential national championship participant. But out of those teams that Fornelli mentioned, Auburn, Miami, Michigan State, Nebraska, A&M, I definitely like Oklahoma the best. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I get A&M because, I mean, all the recruiting classes that they put together, a losing season, but it feels like the same thing we've been saying about A&M. But I, I would put OU in there. The 918. Are you saying they were close? The dangerous word. Hate that word. Yes, I'm saying Oklahoma was, was close to having nine wins this past season, which if that's the case and, you know, the numbers – so bad defensively so if defensively you can improve if you stay where you're at offensively as many gripes or frustrations on third and fourth downs and some inaccuracies again in big moments by Dylan Gabriel even if that remains the same right if we say status quo offensively and Oklahoma improves defensively to you know let's say middle of the road then that that alone, you would think, probably takes Oklahoma to that nine wins threshold and maybe more so. Yes, I'm saying the dangerous word that Oklahoma was close. They they weren't that far off. I mean, Oklahoma finished the season 123rd yep. 
in total defense. They were awful defensively. So if you bump that up to 65, 70? Yeah, I would say either 70 or 75. TCU's defense, last time I checked, I, uh, they had them at 80th uh, total defense at 80. In the process with Brent Venables, it's shown from 2012 to 13, 14, 15 at Clemson. Those defenses got better very, very quickly in years two and three. The third year in Clemson, he had the number one defense nationally. So do I expect Oklahoma to be a top 30 defense next year? I'm hopeful that it can happen. Do I expect it? No. No, I, I don't expect Oklahoma but to you go. But could, you could live with 70, 60, or even the 50 range if the offense you know, stays the course. Having a top 15 offense, you just got to improve that defense. We, we don't, we don't want to see the 123 anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Top 40, uh, you know, I, trying to be realistic about it. The, the margins, as bad as things were or are, a couple of third down stops here and there, all of a sudden, a couple of red zone opportunities, Flip from touchdowns to field goals and, you know, the scoring defense number, the total defense number can change pretty dramatically. Oklahoma, if they uh, incrementally improve defensively, 2023 could be a lot different. And all of a sudden, what Joel Klatt's talking about with close losses, he can start looking a heck of a lot smarter. We're due a break. The Tuesday edition here winding down. What did you think last night? Dallas, Dak Prescott vindicated a little bit here. Now, they can go earn you know a large portion of street cred by beating a san francisco team that a bunch of people think you know right now playing as well as anybody in the national football league what is it 11 in a row for san francisco if they can make brock purdy look like a rookie quarterback yeah Pur- purdy six and oh dak prescott somebody that's sort of had that label attached to him yeah He'll roll up some stats on bad teams, but he doesn't get it done against good teams, and he hasn't done much in the playoffs when it matters. And, oh, by the way, this is the same San Francisco franchise that bounced Dallas out a year ago. So what did you make of last night's win for the Cowboys? Is it game over on Tom Brady's career? I saw some people kind of drawing those conclusions last night. Tom Brady did not look good. I know he ended up throwing for 300-some-odd yards, but he – what threw it 66 times so i don't know to me he uh he looked old i i would yeah lean toward after this season he's a lot closer to it's over than he's going to las vegas and reinvigorating the raiders what were your takeaways from last night we'll keep rolling along homosuna fans josh and connor well i think we're back with you next or planks back with us it's a plank show right here homosuna fans back with you here it's the plank show ref radio network Happy Super Tuesday, everybody. Hour three brought to us by Mop and Roofing. They've got us covered, Oklahoma. Locally owned and operated, fully insured, licensed, bonded. Mop and Roofing serving all of Oklahoma has been in business for over 35 years. 405-703-3843. What did you make of last night, Connor? Uh, Complete dominance from Dallas. That was very surprising to see. And uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks could just 
just not do anything offensively. That's kind of a blowout from the get-go. I mean, they made it interesting towards the end, but, man, just all Dallas. Plank is back, by the way. Plank is back. Plank, yeah, I, uh, how did it go? It's great. I, that's my first chance to meet Aaron McCall. I, uh, it stinks because I went to college with a kid named Aaron McCoy, <laughs> and I keep wanting to call him Aaron McCoy. But, you know, I, I mean, listen, there's no, there's no way around it. I mean, there's not many relationships that this show had that were tighter, Josh, than what we had with the previous volleyball regime, right? Um, from Lindsey Gray Walton to, obviously, Kyle – guys like Drake and, and all the work that they did. So it was really hard to say goodbye. Um, but, listen, we're, we're, we're program guys. Program guys. So um, it was really nice to meet Aaron today. That's the first chance that we had a, an opportunity to meet him. Uh, I was impressed. So that was good. Can I, can I add one thing from last night that you, the three of us at least, haven't talked about yet? Um. Isn't it kind of cool to see how quickly CDs become wide receiver one for the Cow- – and some would argue that maybe it was Dalton Schultz last night. But, I mean, they're – you know, from when they let Amari Cooper go – well, I, I go back. When they drafted CD, I thought right away, I'm like, he's going to be wide receiver one there because I've lived the Amari Cooper experience. And Amari Cooper didn't have a bad year with the Browns. But, Josh – Everyone just kind of thought, oh, Mari Cooper goes, what are they going to do? In fact, there were rumors that they need to go get Odell Beckham Jr. They bring in T.Y. Hilton. Obviously, he's become pretty cool for him. But, dude, CD's that dude. And I don't know. I don't think the numbers were any too jaw-dropping last night. But, you know, maybe my point is more than just what you're seeing in production, like looking at him, right? Like I almost feel like that's a different human being than the guy that came in his freshman season. I mean, he looks like wide receiver one on an NFL team, and now he's starting to play like it. It's really cool to see. He's a stud. He's uh, a definite star and uh, a huge part of what's going on in Dallas. I like them. Maybe I'm crazy, and I feel like I'm always, you know, I'm definitely not a Dallas Cowboys fan, so it's not because – you know, I live and work here and somehow have started drinking the Cowboys Kool-Aid or whatever because of that. I think they're going to beat San Francisco. I think it's going to be an all-NFC East-NFC uh, championship game. Mm. I just mm. think Dak is uh, the better quarterback of the two between himself and Brock Purdy, and I do think they're going to find a way to expose uh, a couple of Purdy's rookie-isms next week. I agree. I don't know why, but I agree right now. So hold on. Uh, let's see how many times I change my name on this game throughout the week, Josh, because I've already changed my mind on Aaron Rodgers. Right. Right? <laughs> so uh, let's just see how many times I change this week on that front. Fun game last night. Oh, Sugar Shane is reporting that Marcus Alexander has put his name in the transfer portal. Marcus Alexander. I don't really know if that does anything for anyone. But that was a name that I think falls under that dude when he came in. You expected him to right away be a dude that we would hear a lot about, to be somebody that probably factored in on the offensive line. But, in again, in fairness, it just it, it never really materialized for him. So, uh, again, this is as official as official can be because Sugar Shane texted into the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 
Uh, and again, it, it, Josh kind of falls in line with some of those guys where it's not anything negative, but when you hear their name in the portal, you're not like, whoa, whoa. No, if anything, the reaction to it, Plank, is as you and I were sitting here, I, I'm going to try and my goal today, Go ahead. tonight, is going to be to figure out what the roster number looks like for Oklahoma. And right. that's the big takeaway here is, as Sugar Shane texts in, probably making room for another transfer. Well, if they are, they better hustle. We got till tomorrow. I liked Marcus, by the way. I liked Marcus a lot. Um, I ran into Marcus a couple of times at Walmart. <laughs> of all the places. And he's a, he was a good dude. But in the span of three seasons, well, let's rephrase that. In the span of four seasons, 19, 20, 21, and 22, he only played in one game, and that was the season opener in 2020 against Missouri State. So maybe it is. Maybe it is. Or maybe it's a guy that is he's kind of chilling a little bit, realizes, uh, I better get going. I better get going. Yeah, Marcus Alexander into the portal, the most recent name for the Sooners to jump in the portal. All right, let's get a break. And when we come back, wrap with a couple of your Air Comfort Solutions texts right here on The Ref. <laughs> Cody writes, I can't believe you both are picking Dallas. And to think, I almost texted in earlier saying, you guys are my favorite show. Bang, bang, Niner gang. I will admit, uh, we, were watching, we were watching that game on Saturday night. And like I said, you know, we're going back, you know, making sure everything's okay with my mom. And, like, literally, it ended up being the most normal weekend I've ever had. I mean, I'm just – I feel like we can all be honest with each other. I felt like I was going home and I was going to be sitting on a bedside all weekend long and, you know, stepping over oxygen machines and holding hands. And literally it was just, hey, what's going on? It, it took five minutes before my mom to say, you need to lose some weight. She's like, you look really bloated. You look really fat. I mean, it was like, I thought – I. What's going on? Ah, thanks. Glad you're well. Good to see things are okay. But so I bring that up because we ended up going to a local restaurant to watch the Niners game. And I don't know why, Cody, but Bang Bang Niner gang got stuck in my head. And every time they would make a play, Josh, I would yell it out. Bang like, Bang Niner gang. Bang Bang Niner gang. And there was like two Niner fans there. They go, woo. <laughs> That is kind of fun. I'm one of the few people on the planet that actually think Bang Bang Niner Gang is kind of cool. I would wear the shirt. All right, Cody, for you, I just changed my pick. Niners all the way. That's what this week's going to be like, by the way. If you want to know what this week is going to be like with our NFL takes, there you go. Well, I mean, look, it all boils down to can they slow – and look, no-brainer, no-duh, but – can they slow down McCaffrey and Debo running the football? And if the answer to that is no, then San Francisco's playing for a conference championship. Chapstick and the 405 want to respond to Jerome Tang. Chapstick, whom I heard get some prime time text reading on the rush yesterday, writes, boy, that's a dreamy take, Jerome Tang, but damn, sports needs heated rivalries. That's where the entertainment is. And then the 405 writes, hate is all about rivalries. Can you imagine OU and Texas loving on each other? F no. I think this is more sp- specific or pacific 
Josh, to a few of the the problems that they've had. Yeah, they just don't want to be on national TV saying FKU. Right. They've there's been a few issues in general with what Kansas State has had with its fan base. So I I think that's it's a little bit more understandable what Jerome Tang is trying to say, but I, I get where y'all are coming from. What a fun show today. Uh, Marcus Alexander in the portal will uh, see if that means another Sooner could be coming in. And I, I don't know what Marcus's future looks like, but I thoroughly enjoyed getting to know him. Have a great day, Josh. Fun to be back. You too, my friend. We'll be in the Brown O'Haver st- or excuse me, I'm sorry, the Buffalo Wild Wings studios tomorrow with the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans.